When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the village of the Nelwins to the crossroads of the Zakini to the forests of the fairies and the kingdom of Tyr Asleen, this is Casterly Talk, the Willow Discussions. I cannot believe we are here with something brand new to talk about. I am here filling in today for Ken Knapsack, taking the charge here as we take a ride into the wonderful world of Willow. We are starting today with the original 1988 film directed by Ron Howard. Of course, another brainchild of that man from the other fantasy that we love to talk about, Star Wars' George Lucas himself. This is a Lucasfilm production. In a lot of ways, sort of the the third baby of Lucasfilm, underappreciated, but we are here to get into it today as we do sort of a prelude to our discussions of the brand new Willow television series, I am so excited to be here, but of course, I could not be here alone. No, I don't have Ken, but I decided to take my own journey, and I went and I found this mercenary locked in a cage on the side of the road. It's Nikki Kumar. What's up, man? I'm really thirsty, man. (laughs) Give me some of that water. (laughs) Can I have some of your water, man, please? Oh, Val Kilmer. take care of the baby. Um, Yeah, I'm great. It's it's fun to be here, fun to talk about Willow, something that's super new to me um so it'll be fun to talk about it absolutely yeah this was an interesting one because i've seen willow including the rewatch that i did today maybe four times at most Mm. i i know it's been a few years since i've seen it i did not remember it well i'm no willow expert so i wanted to do a rewatch so it's a rewatch for me that's why in our thumbnail i have it as revisit and discussion because i'm revisiting it this is your first time, so we have a little bit of a fresher perspective here as well. Mm-hmm. So you're going straight from Willow the film into Willow the series. There was no decades of waiting for you. There's no built-in nostalgia. You just watched a prelude to a miniseries that comes out at this time of this recording in a matter of days. Right. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a different way we, we usually talk about things. You know, usually uh, whenever we I'm on Casterly Talk, I have a... A breadth of knowledge behind me in terms of existing worlds and stuff like that but this is yeah this is going to be a an interesting almost sort of like reaction in many ways just be mm. like oh yeah i'm still processing a lot of a lot of the willow things but um you know for people who have been fans of willow for so long i i'm i'm happy now to make myself amongst you you know <laughs> i can i can yeah. say i i can say i enjoyed willow it's a fun, fun time, fun little movie. Um, very charming, also grim. <laughs> like, yeah, Surprisingly. So, like, watching the beginning, I was like, oh, man, I would have been messed up as a child watching this. <laughs> there um, are two moments we'll get into it. One is the yeah. pigs. Oh, yeah. there's, a few, there's a few things where I was like, oh, wow, I forgot that they, they kind of went hard here. There's things right. that you because I think that as it gets built into our culture, you sort of like, you know, Willow, you know, it was Warwick Davis's other big George Lucas part, you know, 
Mad Mardigan is pretty popular, especially for Val Kilmer as being a Hollywood star. And then if you know anything else, it's maybe like Sorsha. Like that's like you sometimes she's she's I, brought up and I only know her from the clip of the miniseries they released where Ruby Cruz is like, I'm blah blah blah, the daughter of oh, Sorsha. Daughter of Sorsha, exactly. <laughs> so that was a weird thing too, where you're like, yeah. Oh, I know she's gonna have a kid. Yeah. I know that this prophecy that they talk about in the film, which we'll get into the idea of prophecy, that Sorsha would turn good. It's like that's pretty much like okay i know her her kid it seems like a hero mm -hmm. uh, as we're looking at this now as a willow franchise and not just one willow film so that was interesting and just revisiting it now having because having seen it as a kid it blends i think very well and this is not an insult it's just it's part of that labyrinth dark crystal princess bride hook legend like all of those mid to late 80s or early 80s 80s and you know, the crossover into the 90s fantasies. You know what it reminded me a lot of? And I don't have the year on this, so I can't I can't say exactly if it fits in the bracket you're talking about. But it reminded me a lot of Dragonheart. The, yeah, um, yeah. You're with right maybe like, that. you know, more of a a funny spin or skew than that. I think that you're had gonna... comedy, but like not quite as it was definitely more adult. Them, so like, Dragonheart is 1996, but you're not wrong about that. Like that's yeah. later than I thought. But you're you're. By the way, Dennis Quaid, David Thewlis, Pete Postlethwaite, and Sean Connery. What dude, the hell? Dragon, like, <laughs> Dragonheart went for it, man. <laughs> Dragonheart. Dragonheart was a wild movie. Wow. Yeah. There's also you know like uh, um, what's that movie with Rutger Hauer? Lady Hawk. Is that what it's called? Mm, uh, I, don't I believe know. it's called Lady Hawk, and that's yeah, 1985 medieval fantasy, of course the Borman Excalibur. There are lots mm -hmm. of these. And I think Willow hits on a lot of the stuff, but it also has a lot of Lucasisms. You know, he has yeah. the, the, the story by credit, much like with Indy. It's like, this is my brainchild. And then George puts together the team that'll do it. Of course, Ron Howard directing. This was sort of not the first thing that Ron had directed. And Ron had been in Hollywood since childhood. So he's no stranger. It's not like he was some newbie, but he's talked about, this was the first time that he was ever given a final cut on a project. This is the first time that he was ever given the full ability to just go in as a as a real claim, you know, my, my claim to fame is established. Now I'm just doing stuff sort of director and George trusted him. They have their friendship going back to American Graffiti. Uh, Bob Dolman wrote the screenplay here and you can sort of feel it's going to be really hard to not talk about Star Wars, especially when you get to Mad Mardigan, because he's essentially fantasy Han Solo mm -hmm. um, in a lot of the ways. But you can sort of see how. Lucasfilm was already developing as this is their third thing. They had developed a flavor and a tone, a lot of shared themes. Obviously, you can't get away from a lot of the Tolkien stuff that happens in this movie, especially with the Nelwins being sort of the, you know, insert small folk here, whether that's hobbits or Harfoots or dwarves, mm. whatever you want to think of them as. Uh, and then I also want to give a shout out for talking about creatives to the late, great James Horner on the yeah. score this score is so much it's fun it's good yeah yeah it's the, the dun, 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 dun. that's just another great theme mm -hmm. and you know james horner uh, had done so much and he was a collaborator um I feel of like, so many people yeah, yeah i feel like that fits with george's um instinct to elevate with music because they're sort of mm -hmm. again it's impossible to not talk about star wars um mm -hmm. you know there's the whole deal of a lot of sci-fi was, you know, theremini, you know, ships mm -hmm. on strings. And George is, George is like, 
I'm going to go with symphonic romanticism, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm, yeah. like, I'm going to get John Williams to do it and added this whole different musical palette to what you might assume um, you would hear from sort of a space action, you know, fantasy sci-fi kind of thing. Um, and I feel like he did the same to whatever extent he, he did this, but um, with Willow and, and sort of like something that could easily feel like, you know, just a TV movie. Um, I'm going to make sure it, musically it's elevated. And James Horner is one of the, one of the great Hollywood um, composers, certainly absolutely the, the past decades. Absolutely. And Horner, I mean, if you look at his credits, I mean, he's on things like Search for Spock. He's on things like Aliens, Field of Dreams, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Rocketeer, Mask of Zorro. Those are all just like... That is that's a great like, theme. Man, he yeah, killed it on yeah. Zorro. And do oh, you yeah. Titanic also? Titanic, yeah. He's a, he's yeah. one of James Cameron's guys. Yeah. And, you know, died tragically way too soon in 2015. And when you look at the Willow, um, the Willow series that's going to be coming out, just as a fun note, as... You know, this conversation also serves as a little bit of a, a prelude, a little bit of a setup. The, they got James Newton Howard to do the, the music for the show. Mm. So they they went for another huge name. Yeah. Um, and they're very, they're very in. like, I don't, I don't want to say like samey. They're like contemporaries. They're, yeah. They yeah. feel like a similar fit to each other, which is so exactly. that's good. Yeah. So the musical identity there. So everything right off the, off the bat, like this movie is set up to be very Lucasfilm, but it's also set up to be very accessible for fantasy fans. It throws a lot at you, you know, starting there with you being a first time watcher. We were talking briefly off air. I, again, what you know is very limited. Again, if you remember anything, it's like there's baby, there's the village. There's a lot of, you know, they cast a lot of actors, um, you know, like Warwick being the lead, but a lot of actors with dwarfism, you know, to fill out this village. It was, you know, it wasn't like, uh, trying to cast someone like, you know, like Peter Jackson did where it's like, we can trick people into thinking that they're small. Like, no, it was mm -hmm. just, it throws you right in to mm -hmm. their community and their world, but there's so many layers. And like you said, it starts dark. It does its own sort of text crawl, which as Ken pointed out, Ron kind of does again in solo, a star Wars story of just like three iconic, important lines. There's a witch battle here happening that has been going on between this queen, uh, you know, Batmorda, and between you know this, uh, well, this this ongoing like many identities, but uh, who is yeah. eventually revealed to be uh, an old woman. There's this rebel army. There's this dark army. There's this Mad Mardigan has this friendship with Eric. There's the prophecy about Sorsha. So it it there's a lot going on. It's a it's a tight. It's a not. It's like it doesn't drag. It's a tight movie, but it's a full two hours it's also mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily in my opinion um adhere too strictly to like three acts like mm -hmm. it sort of is sort of very questy it's very like boom 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 yeah i think um, i was, so I was trying to like yeah. think about that even yeah just in terms of like your your basic acts i think i think it does i think it's just a very complex act too <laughs> mm -hmm. um but yeah I, I know what you mean in terms of like yeah, it is very much like onto the next thing, onto the next thing. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, I can just start start throwing random thoughts at you. Like one of them, uh, I think a good example of onto the next thing was when they escape the um the the sort of like they escape Sorsha like the first time and they slide on the shield mm -hmm. down all the snowbanks. 
And I was like, Disney, why is that not a ride yet? <laughs> like, yeah, it's so to perfect be, too. It needs to be a uh, a new sort of like log ride or something. Um, mm. And then, yeah, I think when when you're talking about so many things just sort of being thrown at you, I I assume I learned this from Lord of the Rings. Like as a kid in the theater, you yeah. don't have time to pause. Um, mm-hmm. And you just learn to go with it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's something I... I, I sort of have just made as a, made a skill for myself. Um, so I think there are probably definitely things I missed in in the sort of intricacies of those like relationships. But I think mm-hmm. I was able to just sort of keep keep the the metronome going and uh, stay on beat with Willow. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like there's there's a lot of sort of um, plot and subplot and like the you know, the like Willow's journey as a sorcerer is its own yeah. sort of like world because it's, you know, they have the like village village sorcerer who doesn't seem yes quite uh, as uh, Aldwin good who's, as, as Willow. Who's like <laughs> good, good by the standards of the Nelwins, right? Like right. it sort of feels like for them with their isolated world, because it plays into that too of like, well, that's their world and this is ours. And throughout there's a lot of different points where you know you have to make that hero's choice to keep going which i loved but yeah it's like it it immediately throws at you i I jotted it down here magic is the bloodstream of the universe in Mm -hmm. this world and that comes from aldwin who has not picked a sorcerer's apprentice in years um not the mickey mouse kind obviously although that would be that would be a crossover um (laughs) Uh, and not the Nicolas Cage one, which was their sort of them trying to make a movie out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if that's on Disney Plus. I should check. Um, but this idea that magic is always there and that it has always been there. And Finn Rizel, I alluded to them like this animal turn animal turn animal turn animal turn woman. Finally, mm-hmm. um, you you know, tons of, of fun there, especially if you've seen um, Disney Plus's Light and Magic. They get into some of the Finn Rizel stuff of having to transform animals into other animals and the mixture of practical and and early ILM CG. Right. And the way that that all plays as a hero's journey, but also as fleshing out the world, but also as doing sort of like familiar things, but in new ways, because you got to keep in mind, like for, for George, especially coming off of the original star Wars trilogy, he had already done like your Kenobi's and your Vader's and Obi-Wan. So it was cool watching this now. I'm like, wow, this was 1988. And it comes down to two older slash elderly women. Like mm-hmm. that was, you know, that's was not done back then. You know, to have young women was one thing, but you know, to do this like it's older women, and then the daughter is the one that turns to good instead of the son. Like you could tell that there was a an effort to do things a little bit differently, even with Willow. If he's supposed to be Luke Skywalker or Frodo Baggins or any of these characters, um, it was also an interesting thing that I'd forgotten about because I knew that Willow was a father because of the trailer of the new show, mm-hmm. but I'd completely forgotten that he already had kids before his journey started. He's like a, they're like a young couple with a couple yeah. of babies that like are struggling. You Cause know? Warwick's very young, right? Like he's like 18 when, when they this made role? this or something. Yeah. yeah. I think that's why I was kind of surprised. <laughs> I was like, Oh, yeah. he's, he's like, obviously I think he's playing older mm-hmm. um, or, or the, the Nelwyn society like starts young. I don't know, but yeah, who knows but, uh, how old the Nelwyns right. are? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was I was surprised at um, the fact that yeah he was 
sort of the the man of the house, the the, the sort of person who's expected to put, um, you know, keep it together for the family and make sure there's the roof over their heads and all that. Um, I I just wasn't expecting that for the character, having having known very little about it, just because I knew Warwick was so young when he played him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's an interesting change because it changes sort of the emotional stakes of. It's sort of like it's an under, I think, discussed and under explored aspect of story. Like it's usually like young people trying to find their way or the the old like gunslinger, like last ride type story. Mm-hmm. Like, do you still have it? But there aren't a lot of stories about adults like trying to change their path. Mm-hmm. Um, where Willow is already a farmer and he's got, you know, this prospector, not prospector, uh, a prefect bullying him about his crops and how if he doesn't have a good harvest then he's gonna go have to work in the mines and like there's all this stuff that you get thrown at you really quick about <laughs> mines of kessel what... <laughs> yeah, yeah um, honestly george yeah. was like i'm gonna get my mine commentary <laughs> in there somehow my my workers rights commentary but mm. you but he also is like this is a big day for me like every year and his wife says like he never picks a new apprentice like he's trying to change careers and mm-hmm. the career just happens to be sorcerer, um, to put it in the real world terms. And so, starting with Willow, uh, you know, as this as this character, how did you feel about him and his journey? Since he's the hook, it's an ensemble, but we need him to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's our title, our title character. So, it's it, you know, it's it's actually. I'll tell you one thing, one thing, and maybe this is like silly to say because. It, it should be like, a, oh, of course. Hmm. But having, you know, so much of our lives um, seeing Warwick Davis as Wicket, as Weasel, as, mm. you know, we Chief Siubi. For us as like Professor Flitwick. Professor Flitwick. Yeah. yeah. Seeing him in those roles, I was watching Willow and I was like, Warwick is a really good actor. I had the same reaction. He's Mm -hmm. really good. And then I got mad. And I was like, why has he not led more movies? Or Mm -hmm. been in bigger things? Like, why is he bit part? And then I got mad at Hollywood. (laughs) Because because it's like, you know, of course, it's, you know, it's it's because he has dwarfism. Yeah, it's prejudiced. Yeah. they They don't value that. And it's like, he... He is so good. Like he was, like every pretty much every beat of this mm-hmm. movie, he's he's doing great work. And so I think that was like a really sort of standout thing when I when I was watching this character go throughout. I was like, Warwick is very, very good. Um, and it's it's so it's really cool. I don't know how George figured that out because it's like yeah. obviously Wicked. Wicked is a unique performance because it's, you know, so much body and he was like 11 when he did it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wonder how he found, like, he was, he kind of like knew, oh, this is the guy. Um, Because as far as, like, as far as I can tell, I don't know where Warwick got to like show off his chops. Yeah. Um, It's an interesting question. Cause you're right. He, he takes you through the entire emotional range. Like we said, it's a, a dark film and we'll get into the opening too we're not going to go chronologically we never really do that here on casually talk with yeah. anything that we cover but just like he takes you through like sort of zippy fun comedy a little bit of like physical comedy but also 
his dialogue, but also lots of tenderness with the family. He's also gets to be a little bit of a romantic hero. Like he's got mm-hmm. already a wife that he loves back home, but also sadness because he's young and small relative to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. When he leaves home, he's not Dada or someone's husband and a working man. He's looked at as, you know, as, as a peck, like they call them, like they've got yeah. this sort of like colloquialism slur for the Nelwins. Right. And he, like when he cries and he feels like they're defeated when he's all bloodied up after the battle at, 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 at Tira Sleen, like mm-hmm. and Matt Mardigan before Matt Mardigan tells him like, can you ride? Let's ride. Like he really brings you to that. Like, like I probably would have been crying if I was a kid watching this. Like you mm-hmm. feel so heartbroken for him. So yeah, it works. And they have great chemistry too, him and mm-hmm. Al, especially. Yeah. I, I just, I remember those like, lines at the beginning where you know where you were establishing the character and you know it's stuff was like nobody under any circumstance is to fall in love with this baby <laughs> it's just like it's just like i love i love the way he delivers those kind of things and like even the line where he's like we're just gonna push it out and forget we ever saw it yeah <laughs> and uh yeah. yeah it's i i think i was just like that's sort of like this thing that just stuck in my head i was like i, I was just i was i shouldn't have been surprised but I was, mm-hmm. um, I was like, he, he was, he's really good. He's a nuanced. He has like his line deliveries. I just, they feel so confident for someone his age. Yeah. And like, yeah. and let's face it, someone who, you know, has probably faced so much, you know, um, prejudice against, you know, him for, for who he is. Yeah. Like he, so much he has so much and... confidence in that mm-hmm. role. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I love to think that came down so much to to george and ron um yeah to be able to empower him to do that and that's why that's why i feel like they've been so loyal to each other for 30 years 40 yeah. years the belief is there and you know ron howard is executive producing the new show and, and obviously uh you have john kasdan's gonna be you know he's the, the showrunner there um and how his dad goes back to the same group of people and it, feel, it feels like it was a supportive group of creators with mm-hmm. also Spielberg and Kathy Kennedy and everybody that was around back then um, that really fostered this kid's place in Hollywood and making sure that he could be um, an exception um, in a lot of ways to some very unfair rules. And he's joined by a great cast. We already talked about Val Kilmer's Matt Mardigan. I'm just going to rattle off here uh, Two, uh we had, three babies all playing Alora Dannon. So shout out <laughs> to those babies. Uh, we had a uh, Joanne Whaley as Sorsha, who is awesome. Bev Morda's daughter. Um, yeah. Her and Val actually met and got married uh, because of this film. They're not married anymore, but they were married for a time. They have sons together. The uh, Val Kilmer's son. Yeah. <laughs> Val Kilmer's son. I love son, stories uh, like that. <laughs> I think Jack- I, was, I was would get mad. Like when I found out like Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise were not in fact married after I saw the mommy, I was like, what's up with that? That ain't right. What a waste of time. <laughs> what about Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley? Like, what, what are you guys yeah. doing? Yeah. What are you guys doing? Uh, Vigo like, and Liv Tyler. These like, these couples that just feel right. It's like I don't yeah, know. So, uh, <laughs> uh, actor actor Jack Kilmer has his yeah. existence. He owes his existence to Willow. Uh right. you have a Gene Marsh as Bev Morda, Patricia Hayes as Finn Rizel. And then there's tons of other cast members here. Uh, a big one is Kevin Pollack as Rule, who is going to be back for the new show. Rule and uh, Frangine 
the two brownies who are like the comedy, the comedic duo mm. here. Um, so they're all great. And I'll be excited to see if there are surprises, who's going to be back, who's not going to be back, um, how they play with things, how they address certain lore things. But we've talked about Willow um, as a character and we'll continue to talk about him. But we love our themes here. We love our ideas and just some things that I jotted down. We've got how it takes, how it all starts, I think is a great place to start um, in terms of theme, though. And that's that it was about this unnamed midwife who was a regular person who just made the right choice and how yeah. the villains had all the cards when the movie starts. And like, they're literally like, well, we need to destroy this baby because the prophecy says this baby will bring the downfall of Avmorta, the evil queen. The baby's right there. But one regular person decides this can't stand. So how did you feel about this dark opening and about the way that it sets the stakes and, and opens yeah. the door for the story. No, yeah. I, um, I, I love that, that kind of stuff too. And it, it's such a, it's such a sort of, you know, central pillar of how we, um, we experience and connect with, with epic fantasy, you know, mm. big stakes fantasy. It's all, it all hinges on, you know, the simple, you know, not, not necessarily a king or queen or, great knight or whatever making a choice it, it often hinges on you know one of the one of the smaller people doing doing something um making a, a simple decision and you know those things that like that tracks with so much of our our favorite stories and also i feel like in 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 you know, how you were saying they had they had all the cards it, it also sort of represents that theme of um you know evil evil is arrogant and mm -hmm. therefore dumb, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, because um, it, it's always the same thing in Star Wars. Why, why didn't the Empire or why didn't why didn't the First Order just do X? It's like, well, they won't because they they are so arrogant about their own power. Mm -hmm. They don't think about doing the simple thing. They want to do they want to do the um, the thing that will torment. Right. They can't and, believe that they'll lose, right? Like exactly. they can't even. I mean, and, that, yeah. and it's not a coincidence that Bavmorda is defeated by Bavmorda's own ritual. That right. she is so flabbergasted by the simple thing, by his sleight of hand, mm -hmm. something that he was doing with piglets at the, in the beginning, like that she bumps into her own nonsense, knocks over her right. bulls, and then enchants herself away. Yeah, and like like just down to the fact that. They, the queen literally walks past the midwife with the baby in the basket, right? Like, <laughs> like she can, they would never even conceive that that um, weakness was, you know, so close to their their core. Um, mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I love I love those kind of themes, and and that was all laid out there, right at the beginning. And and it was it was a grim opening, you know. It's it's death, it's imprisonment, and like they, all those women were not in you know, not kept in nice chambers, you know, as they were pregnant. Um, and, and yeah, I think it was, it was really like, it's really great prologue in that it, it gave you a lot without doing a lot. I think mm -hmm. sort of like, like just sort of shots of the midwife caring for this child over time. I think even the title card was over just a shot of the midwife sort of like cradling yeah um the the baby and um yeah it, it just sort of like really it sort of you you sort of knew the stakes were high 
but it was also sort of this very personal bond kind of thing being developed. Um, and then it gets <laughs> the little whatever hunting pig dog rat. Oh, those uh, knock. I think they're Nakmar hounds. I, the well, hound. I think they're her, her entire land is Nakmar, is my okay. understanding. Like her kingdom is Nakmar. The other kingdom is Tiraslene. Mm-hmm. And Nakmar, I think, has like those hound creatures. But even that, yeah, like it's really nice for like two minutes and then she gets eaten. Yeah, and she has so to. She, she has, has to, to hope. Exactly. It very. Um, just a choose to hope. Very Prince of Egypt. Very um, Prince of Egypt. Story, very... story of Moses and all yeah. that and mm-hmm. sending the baby down the river. Which is why um, when people say that Superman is Jesus, they're wrong. He's Moses. Because that is 100%. Like, chaos is happening. Danger is imminent. I don't know what's going to happen to this little creature that can't defend itself. Except hope that somebody will make the right choice like I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to have belief in something, she doesn't know where he's where the baby's going. She doesn't know where the baby's called. We don't know that until a fairy goddess tells us who uh, is a uh, uh, Sh- Sh- Shalindria. Sh- <laughs> um, there will there's a shout out to Adam Collins who is a Willow expert who I know will probably be watching. Um, I will learn all these. I promise. Yes. Um, especially by the time the miniseries is over, I will have them down. Uh, it's been a long time. I went into this like, I know the characters as Willow, Mad Mardigan, and Sorsha. And then by the end, I was like, oh boy, I forgot a lot of characters. Um, but yeah, that the way that that opening plays, just believing that things will be okay. I mean, that's that's part of Indiana Jones, and it's part of Star Wars, and it's part of all the fantasy that we talk about here. This idea of, of uh, you know, connecting as we do, we don't compare here so much because they're so different. It was rings of power and, uh, and, and ice and fire. That was already one thing, Tolkien and Martin, but like, this is so far off that, you know, to make any connections would just be light, but it's in all fantasy. They yeah. have to, you know, like, like that's John's John Snow's whole origin is on the belief that this baby will be okay. Even when you're not there. Um, the, the entire, you know, the entire thing about Bilbo and Frodo is that like Bilbo has to leave him in the dark mm-hmm. and, and literally in the dark of night and, and peace out to go live out the rest of his days. They meet up again, but he had to trust that Frodo had everything that he needed. And, but Frodo was a man. This is a little baby. And, mm-hmm. and for her to end up um, in the hands of the most unlikely of creatures. Yeah. Hobbit, yeah that, <laughs> that ability to, um, to let go and believe right mm-hmm. like that's you know that's sort of it like it's it's indie making the the leap of faith in in mm-hmm. the the holy grail uh temple and luke turning off the targeting computer you know it's it's all that um all sort of the same idea is you know you gotta you gotta put everything to the side all the doubts and just just go and it, and it it's a choice that you need to continually make, which is something that I love. Much like mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings, when Frodo and Sam believe that getting to Rivendell is the end of the journey, Willow and, and Migosh, who I wrote, Migosh is the goat. That's all I wrote on my page. Here, <laughs> he's not in the movie a lot, but he was loyal. The friend, was, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was loyal. He's he a nice him. guy. Yeah. And he was really cool. And he went the furthest with him. Um, and then he went home and 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 got to see him again at the end but <laughs> and they get to the yeah they, <laughs> they, they get to the crossroads um the crossroads of the uh, dakini uh mm-hmm. dakini which is what they call 
big men and giants and all that. Um, and they're like, well, we did it. Let's just give it to the first person that rides a horse by this road. Mm-hmm. And no, a hero has to keep choosing. And yeah. there are several points in the story where Willow could have quit. Um, and But also fate is at play here. Magic, as we know, is the, the blood of this entire mythology of this world, of Willow's entire earth or arda or whatever whatever this world's called there mm-hmm. might be a word because i know that there are willow novels i have not read i think it's them. um i think it's pronounced whales <laughs> oh, oh okay well, i thought it was wallace but okay what w- whales will do I was, I was looking up the filming it's like most of it was filmed in a quarry in wales <laughs> like, oh that's uh, fun that's great yeah i saw in the credits it was like new zealand unit like there was like probably just like Mm. tiny little things maybe the snow was one place i don't know yeah um but the the idea that is revealed to to willow when he gets to the forest with the brownies and the fairies um that shalindria tells him like you're gonna get this wand and you're gonna go here and you're gonna go find rizel but you should know that like it's not being this is not arbitrary it's not by chance like this baby chose you this baby wants you to be the guardian she likes you she has a name already that has predestined this baby is going to be the queen there's all this stuff so it's like the much like star wars the force does not possess people and make them do things but it gives them opportunities little nudges you know qui-gon gets to tattooing and he thinks this kid might be a virgin so it's like but he still has to be the one that orchestrates mm-hmm. you know the the role of the dice and this baby, which I, lo- I love that we're revisiting Willow in the wake of the Mandalorian um, because of how similar it is of like taking care of someone in your charge that can't communicate and anything, but still clearly has feelings and opinions. Mm-hmm. And Alora Dannon as a baby wants Willow to be the one. Um, I think that that is it's so beautiful to see that his potential is confirmed before there are any actual events that confirm his potential like he's not it's not he doesn't like cast a spell and then the baby chooses him right the baby chose him before he'd done really anything before he even yeah. messed up a spell yeah which i think is really uh, cool and again just so many great sort of like um just like fantasy vibes right like mm-hmm. it's like like the sorcerer's stone or philosopher's stone rather. <laughs> you know like <laughs> it's like you know that that ability to you know, for that object, even to just know the person, right? Mm-hmm. And and sort of, you know, the way Dumbledore worked that spell, particular spell into, you know, it's about the the heart or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's it's just it's it feels so right, and it's it's so classic in that you know it's it's about who you are, not what you are. It's about you know not you don't have to be Willow the wizard to be powerful you don't have to be um you know i mean frodo didn't ever get to like any sort of position of like great status i don't even think i i need i need a tolkien scholar to correct me i don't Mm -hmm. know if he was ever even like mayor of hobbiton you know like yeah i don't think he ever took those kind of roles i know sam did but we need to call up rachel but yeah i mean the you're right like frodo like what great deeds does he have I mean, he's ring bearer that's aside from the, aside from being ring bearer yeah he has no great kills he has no great magical moments he has no great like feats in fact he loses which we've talked about a lot mm-hmm. um in his direct path um 
but it was a mercy th- that was already built into his character. Um, yeah. yeah. Facilitates things. And Willow already had from the beginning. Um, it was just a confidence issue, which Aldwin points out to him. Like, well, tell me what you were really going to say. You know, you hesitated before I, when I was asking everybody to choose which finger controls the magic or controls whatever the spells. And Willow kind of does this and then doesn't choose, but then feels like he has to do what everyone else does. Mm-hmm. And he chooses a finger, but you really don't. You go the other way, which is something that once he is able to synthesize who he was with the magic that he's learning, he becomes the sorcerer that goes the other way. Like he learns great magic. And especially the night before the big battle, he's able to help Rizel change everybody back and he's using mm. the protection spell and they can't be harmed and there's all this stuff. And you think that he's going to maybe grab the wand and be the one that defeats her. But no, it's still the pig trick. And it was. Yeah, I was yeah. I was like waiting. There's that part where um, it was is it Rizel. Is that the name? I think it's Finn Rizel. Yeah. Finn Rizel. OK, so when she like gets knocked over and the wand is like out of reach yes and i was like oh will is gonna pick it up <laughs> you are it is coded yeah. in our minds now yeah. modern blockbusters uh also because it's lucas so like you expect the wand to fly into like willow's hand right, or something right. like yeah but the finrazel uh um who again is a great character that like what she saw in him uh was about patience and courage are the two things that come up with him she Mm. says patience and she says patience willow and he says courage willow like he has to to give himself the last ingredient um but it was still to be yourself and there is a lot of that with uh, the three main characters uh with mad mardigan and sorcia too where the sorcia prophecy is also laid out as Mm. like the sub the b prophecy which is that she'll betray her mom Bavmorda and Bavmorda doesn't think so again because of arrogance and is like she's more loyal to me than even you are to her seer her soothsayer that's a great line I like that yeah but then it's like come on like she's she is not going to be an accessory to like killing a child that's not in her character and she that's unlocked throughout and it's it's even unlocked in comedic ways like it's Mad Mardigan being under the spell mm-hmm. that is confronting her with all this love and affection that he doesn't even mean or think he means. Um, he is, you know, crushing on her, but it's not at that level yet, obviously. But um, you could tell that she's like, when she's like, I love you. And she's like, stop saying that. Like, she's so <laughs> like weirded out by affection yeah. that that contributes to her turn. So I thought she was a great way to explore some of those same themes about truth, truth mm-hmm. to self. And then Matt Mardigan, like I said, being fantasy Han Solo, who are told by Eric at the beginning, who's like this rebel leader, this soldier who knows Matt Mardigan. And mm-hmm. we know they're both warriors and they probably go back a ways. But he's like, you serve no one. He's like, and that's why I'm going to leave you here. He's like, I like you, but you're you're not dependable. You always choose yourself. You're yeah. a womanizer, as we see when we see him again later, pretending to be a woman so he could sneak out of this this uh, this guy's house or uh, right. their apartment there at the bar. He, Mad Martigan has to be the one that like is like, okay, I can actually realize my potential. And then by the end, he's in that golden armor, and it's just so yeah. satisfying to see him actually be the guy. Right. Yeah, and it was it was also very cool to. Um to sort of see his his prowess you mm-hmm. know because it's 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 a predictable thing for somebody who comes across as a sort of like 
smooth talker just kind of like tries to trick his way out of every situation um to not live up to what he's saying when i think i can't remember if he tells willow i think it must have been willow where he's like or the yeah or the like other guy his, the landlord <laughs> for like <laughs> lack of remembering his name um when he's like i'm one of the greatest fighters ever you know greatest swordsman in the in the mm. land and then it was kind of a fun moment when Will was like, oh, you are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um, he, he was not lying. And and the yeah. way that he even like, again, so much of it is, is about synthesis. Like, what are you supposed to be in terms of roles? Like mm. his role would be hero, knight, you know, whatever. But he is able to implement some of the roguish qualities, too. Like when they have to defend Tira Sleen, just the two of them, mm-hmm. he's setting all these traps and he's using the environment against them. And he's like using trickery and combat prowess at the same time i knew i loved this movie when he catapulted himself it's so good it's (laughs) it's such a great moment it's so much fun um yeah this movie has really fun pulpy action like that like him catapulting himself him rolling down the snowy mountain enough that he becomes a snowball and like is crashing into the wall uh the way that they fight the trolls and like of course it's it's like late it's got late 80s like some stop motion but also mm-hmm. some like rotoscoping and stuff so it's like a, it's got a charm to it there if you appreciate that sort of thing um but yeah the I, I a moment that i loved is the way that he beats uh kale sort of her the bad morta's main general mm-hmm. he like, stabs him once stabs him again and then he has to like basically kick a sword upward and get him to fall into it is what right. finally finishes him very creative in those ways. Yeah, I think something I I really enjoyed specifically with with his character. Um, I feel like they the script always chose. It's like something happened. We need a character moment, and it's like you know, video game where you have like the the dialogue options. <laughs> You're like it's mm-hmm. gonna something. It's gonna skew it uh, attitude wise. And I feel like they always chose the charming option. Like there's yeah. just there's just so much like good dialogue where it's like. I can't even remember it now because so much of it is still sort of going in my head. But there, there are just like little lines of like, um, you know, just responses to things that felt like it was very endearing. It's like it's just a very endearing script for mm-hmm. its characters. Um, and it did that a lot with him. And especially when, you know, it sort of establishes him as this character who you don't want to trust is just trying to get out of his cage um, he loses the baby like as soon as they give it to him <laughs> you know, like, um, and it's like you're, you're just coded all the way um to not trusting him i love that part where they're like oh we're, we'll go this way and he's like and he's like gets mad he's like that's the way i'm going <laughs> yeah. um and you know so there's like all those little things and then when it's like oh it's time to start believing in him and knowing he's part of the team I feel like they they just made really nice choices to where you can be like, I like him. I like I like him not in just a like, he's fun way, but he's also good, and yeah, and can be trusted. Yeah, and I think that the friendship between him and Willow is so organically fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard not to think of Han and Luke, but it's like the way that they sort of begrudgingly are like, okay, I guess you're all right. Oh, okay, I guess you're okay too. And there's all these moments that build. Until finally circles back around and Eric's like, well, you serve no one. And he says, I serve the Nelwyn. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I love that. That's a great moment. That's great. It's like, I, I choose. You're right. I don't serve 
some greater thing. I'm not part of the army, but I choose friendship. Like I'm mm-hmm. not going to lay on him and this baby. I love that you said Han and Luke because now I'm thinking literal farm boy <laughs> into wizard. <laughs> yeah, and, it's and, not wrong. And uh, this is an agriculture willow, and this ain't dusting crops <laughs> back home. <laughs> yeah, this is war, not agriculture. Yeah. This is, wow, I didn't even realize it was that spot on. And then a rogue turned general. Yeah. Um, nice, George. nice, George. Nice, George. I and see also, you, George. Also, I was thinking um, in terms of sort of like the the story impetus around the um, this this baby, right? Mm-hmm. It, that that itself reminded me as like a precursor precursor to like the ending of the prequel <laughs> where like yeah. the the fate of the world is decided on these infants that now must be saved and go into hiding and so i i like the idea of george sort of sort of playing with this idea of oh the most important thing to anybody here is is a baby yeah and we're fighting for the future and and, and mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like the baby is just going to like via magic like boom transform like suddenly a queen like no we're she's a baby like what we're fighting for is the hope the opportunity to have a better world 20 years from now mm-hmm. you know when, when when she comes of age like she is still this baby she just has was born with this little birthmark tattoo that signified her as being a laura dan and and that but all that means is that we need to give her the chance to grow up and to make choices and to be the type of person that will do these great things that we've heard she'll do that the fairies and the brownies and these other people yeah. um, like Finrazel think that she will do. And we get the idea just based on the source of stuff that prophecy, we can put some stock into it, into this world. And we'll see what happens in the Willow series is, is Alora Dannon going to be a queen that we get to see and deal with um, in the events of, the the limited series i'm really excited to see where that goes what Mm. ramifications there will be um in terms of other ideas though i mean there's all this stuff that happens in terms of having to accept change and it's hugely represented through finn rizel of course who when we first meet her is trapped as some kind of I, I thought she was a, a squirrel or sugar glider. I looked it up. Finrazel is a brushtail possum when we first meet her. Um, obviously, of course. Um, I mean, our, our, zoo, our zoologist friends would know that. But yes, one hundred percent. Our zoologist friend uh, Boop, shout out to Boop. Boop yeah. uh, uh, but the yes, the uh, uh, brushtail possum then turned mm. like crow, and then ostrich, and turtle, and tiger. Um, yeah. But what she says is that the most important word, I believe it's like Loctuar, um, is this is the plea for change. Mm-hmm. And she she emphasizes that because that's the one that Willow can remember. He's like, I can't remember the middle word. And that stuck out to me because they're walking around in chains. That's where you get the wholesome moment where Mad Mardigan puts him on his shoulders and like won't let him get dragged by the horses, um, right. which is like great, just like visual storytelling. But that idea of accepting change I think is so key to everything that George is saying. It's key to a lot of the stuff that happens um, across the entire Lucasfilm catalog. So talking about that, what were some of your takeaways in terms of how people sort of, you know, we set it up with Willow's Ark, right? He wants to change careers if it's a real world thing. He's this guy in his Mm -hmm. 20s. He's got a couple kids. Maybe he's 30 if he's a Nelwyn aging uh, sliding scale. Um, But this idea that you 
have to be able to be open to change. Um, and that's sort of what turns the tide for everybody. I think. Yeah. So yeah. I think, um, yeah, just to focus on a few characters, I think that's, that's obviously a huge part of Matt Mardigan where it's like, um, it's, it's always that question of like, if he got out of the cell without meeting Willow, mm. <laughs> would he just go on and continue to be obnoxious? Or, right. you know, I think it's left ambiguous as to why he's in, even in there in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, but you can you can assume it's because he he's anything. a thief. That's all you yeah. hear. He's a thief. Right. And and I think that's like that's the thing. It's like he I think is somebody who was probably always looking for that reason to be better. Mm. Um, and it eventually came in the, in the, in the form of Willow where, you know, by interacting with him and, you know, being roped into his adventure, I think he unlocks what his potential and then him connected to, to Eric, where like, like you said, like Eric, like, is like, I'm gonna leave you here. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> and also his ability to witness change and accept it and change his relationship to how he views um what is it Matt Matt Mortigan? Matt Martin. Mad Mardigan, yeah. Mad Mad Martin. You had it. Yeah. Um it's Matt so, Martin from Lucasfilm. Yeah, I'm like that's what I was always, <laughs> like Mark Madden. Mark um, Madden. Mark yeah. <laughs> and and his ability to you know see in him his change, his realization mm. that he can be part of something else. He can be part, he can represent something, stand for something, and then know that he's someone he'll he'll support and fight with and eventually, you know, trust to win the war for him you know yeah um so which is like, a great that's a great screenplay throw the line back at the audience yeah. when because he says that like let me out of here and i'll win this war for you you know when yeah. he's in his cage and then finally when it comes back he's proven again it's, it's so much visual storytelling this is a great film for children like yes it will mess them up and that pig scene is disgusting and is sort of the <laughs> sort of the the perversion of change right like yeah that's that's change being inflicted upon others, not people finding their own change. And that's right. the difference is that um, we'll talk a little bit more about Bev Morta as a villain too. But when Matt Mardigan reaches his full potential, he's this golden knight who's taking on this entire army by himself. And that's when Eric shows up mm -hmm. um, and, and they become one army and, and they ride off together. It's like he, he you, through change, you can prove people wrong and men relationships mm -hmm. and and fix a relationship that you know they they clearly go back a ways at least somewhat um but you can show other people that you sort of closed the loop and therefore open the door for a greater cause because it seemed like my interpretation of eric's like rebel army is that they were just getting smacked down like they it didn't seem like they could take on you know uh, uh bad mortis forces we get at the beginning um, again, I, apologies for the Willow experts that I can't remember the name of the location, but the Kale, this this evil general knight that works for Bad Morta, says that they already destroyed a castle. Um, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. they took out some place, and that's where Eric's people, I think, are coming from when they mm -hmm. see Mad Mardigan on the side of the road. So they're losing. Um, and through change, you open the door. That's what the Battle of Yavin is, you mm -hmm. know, in Star Wars. That's what 
Um, I mean, <laughs> see the entire Aragorn arc if you, you know for for something like that. And like they um, they exist as like they exist in the first place because of a desire for change of the political power status quo, right? Like they mm -hmm. are a rebellion. Yeah. Um, they're 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 going against the that that sort of that dark power, you know, because they are they already want something different for themselves mm -hmm. and they want to they want to fight for that. Yeah, and and to fight to preserve and protect like when they get to TRS lane, the trolls have already sort of taken over and they've frozen these people and I'm a little unclear on like the troll physiology and, and like like I don't dude know. all i know whatever when, when willow did that to like that dude i was like willow like my guy willow it was like you need to take it down to like book one first like yeah just you skipped to like advanced advanced willow, uh, like messing people up you know went, like you scorched them turn because the trolls here are kind of like these ape sort of creatures and like yeah. he blasts them and he turns it to like a brain but then also a dragon. It was like he turns him weird. inside out. <laughs> turns him inside and then, out, and then like xenomorphs pop out. <laughs> dragon, and then the, and then you think that's it, and yeah. then the xenomorphs fall in. And Dude, I, when, I knew when he kicked I remember, it into the water, I was, yeah. I was, I was, I thought that was hilarious. Well, I remembered a dragon being in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, that's something I remember, and I, and I know that like the willow dragons have been talked about, and and like I knew that it was coming. But I think because it had been so long since I saw the movie, I just thought that the dragon was like underneath the castle or something. Uh -huh. I forgot that that was all connected. And so mm -hmm. I was like, what is happening? Like that was full on George Lucas weirdness yeah. um, with like some Harryhausen in there too. But, you know, talking about those changes again, Bev Morda, I mentioned it, the pig stuff, the perversion of change. Like Bev Morda, much like Palpatine, um, much like a lot of these these villains across fantasy, is mortified about change about losing power she's desperately trying to hold on to things she has forced she forces all these warriors to turn into pigs but that's not the first time she's done that she's the one that got rid of finn Rizel and turned finn Rizel into that possum and left her on that island because she was afraid of losing power she's paranoid um and i thought that it was a great way to do some of those classic themes again but to show that some people are like at any point she could have if you just made the other choice like who's to say that certain things because like yeah prophecies seem to be true but it's not like it's so hard and fast that like letter of the law everything will happen like we were told tiris lane had a great army and that wasn't true mm. we were turned that you know told that tiris lane would have this king and queen that would look after her and like maybe they were frozen by the trolls it's kind of sort of unclear as far as the events um, of this film are, these people that would have taken the baby in. But but Sorsha's turn isn't like, I turned, I'm good, and now I'm going to kill you, mom. Like, no, she just tries to say, like, I'm not going to kill this baby, don't do this. Like, there's still wiggle room to make the other choice. And I'm sure if you had, you know, just been nice, this baby would have grown up and maybe not destroyed you. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's always again, it's like it's that ability for evil to be its own downfall, right? Like, mm -hmm. and and the idea that um, evil, like, so like in, like in Star Wars again, evil is not the fact that the dark side exists, evil is the fact that people will use it to pervert the natural world, kind of thing, yes, right? Like, it's not. 
it's again it, like the dark side itself is a natural part of the life system mm-hmm. um and it and it just again it, it that's what it kind of reminded me of of like this this witch who um it's like it's not it's not that she can wield magic that like you know makes her evil it's that she's an evil person with that ability right like it's mm-hmm. it's uh it's sort of again not not to say or rather like like you're saying you know she, maybe maybe if she yeah like didn't believe in this thing in this thing that would take her power away her ability to to make the world worse to use magic to to turn people into pigs you know mm-hmm. and um and all that it's like maybe that you know they could have lived happily and there wouldn't be witch beef going on and you know yeah it's, it's again just this idea of like the same power is used in order to it's like yeah like light side dark side it's all the force yeah right and and the idea that just people using it for different purposes to yeah make to make things bad and that you know you can always choose togetherness like if you acknowledge that then what do you do with that information and we've seen sort of how george felt about it and we've seen how other creators like ryan johnson and other people that have picked up sort of the lucasfilm torch have felt about the things that they've been doing um last jedi is a huge one of luke describing like yeah there's death and decay and everything and that's what he's trying to teach ray and ray starts to express all the good and bad that she's feeling and willow along this journey sees tons of good and bad um but what willow is saying is that this baby deserves choices and like and what they're talking about it's not like let's you know stab the baby or like you know not to be so gruesome but like you know just but it's like i don't want to say things that are too violent for youtube but like it's like you know it's not a a simple matter of like literally physically destroy the baby she wants to banish and and annihilate the baby's soul yeah like to, to take the innocence and the malleability of a child you know i mentioned grogu earlier like these these things can be anything grogu force chokes somebody in the mandalorian but grogu also protects people they have unlimited yeah. potential and yeah. you want to snuff out potential and snuff out possibilities just because you're paranoid and and the real world element of that starts to play into things like the isolationism you know like she's got her her kingdom of nakamar i looked it up here uh, just just to fact check myself uh, Eric is is from Galadorn, and Galadorn is what was destroyed. That's so when yeah. his yeah, so when his army is going by, it's like her solution for things is well, I'll just destroy all the other kingdoms, and that'll solve the problems. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, then then what's left? You know, that's the stuff uh, to reference. Another thing we talk about here, that's the Queen of the Ashes stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's like you can't. There's no growth there. There's no learning, and you're gonna try to be. A husk of yourself you're not even realizing that and that's sort of what happens with palpatine and uh, if you look at the way that the uh, uh literal nazis in in both last crusade and in uh, raiders and evidently in indy 5 mm-hmm. um all of the ways that they are trying to attain power um outside of the stuff that they were literally doing historically it's all well, we can be the ones we can be the ones and we'll just you know try to snuff everybody out and and just make sure that only we can have this right but but togetherness is always the answer yeah um doing things alone is, is never the answer and so that all the ways that this movie explores that from bavmorta all the way down to this guy i looked him up 
uh, the, the leader of the village council, Burglecut, the, yeah. uh, the prefect, like who just bullies him because you know they, they even say like, um, I don't know enough about the real world elements of like dwarfism to know if this was a truth that Warwick faces, but for the purposes of of Warwick in this film, like of, of Willow, they say he's like he's small even by their standards, mm-hmm. uh, and Burglecut is bigger than him and mm-hmm. older than him. And picks on him and doesn't think he can be anything more laughs at all of his stuff and somebody should definitely not stand next to either yes oh yeah <laughs> this dude, he gets the throw he's, up he's he a drop hazard you know bird poop great <laughs> great gags um good just like old school like you can't not chuckle at it comedy right. um but he again is, is a funnier way of uh, amplifying that theme it's like if you you saw him as just this farmer that could never be more and how wrong you were if you had just encouraged him like my boy Migosh. Yes, Migosh had to double check my notes there. Mm-hmm. Um, then things might be different. And I love that Willow doesn't. It's not like there's a I feel like a more maybe 2000s 2010s movie like Willow would have gotten like his comeuppance on him. But Willow doesn't even need that like when willow returns home i love the symbolism of like he's carrying his wife's hair with him and he comes home and he just reunites with his family and the movie just goes out on that it's not like and suddenly there's no resentment to his past yes Yes. he doesn't think he's like it's there's no resentment but there's, there's also no like and now i have the power like it's not like he gets back and it's like you're the sorcerer now like no he's just he's just dad again but Mm. But he has all this. Now he has the confidence. You know, it all comes yeah. back to that, which I thought was a really elegant way to wrap it. We don't do zoom out and just credits roll endings anymore. That doesn't happen. Yeah. It's yeah. such a late '80s, '90s thing, which I love. Definitely. Um, and I feel like I don't know if, if you feel the same. You could speak to it, but I feel like largely this movie ages pretty well. Like technical and effects and stuff, we could talk about nitty gritty any day. But like comedy and like themes and tropes like even the stuff that is like could in in the wrong creative's hands get weird like mad martigan under the lab the love potion or whatever mm-hmm. like is still funny and endearing it never gets yeah. it never gets uncomfortable or inappropriate i thought it was pretty funny i was like i was like this this created simping or the, like, the love dust, the love dust. Yeah. Yes, it, it was simple. Yeah. yeah, and just like, and, this was this was the genesis point for a whole generation of <laughs> of like of like that trope of like, oh, she's bad and I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know? Oh yeah. Well, I just love that before he's affected by the love dust, uh, which has a, a different name. I forget what it's called, but it's the brownie magic. They they show that like he's at least like physically attracted to her, but also acknowledges that she sucks and she's evil. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the starting point. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm really attracted to this person. Like he says, like, I, I like your leg or I'm looking at your leg. <laughs> I would like to break it. Like he's like trying to still yeah. be threatening. Yeah. Um, and she's like, whatever. And she like kicks him and they're back and forth. Uh, I think was very funny and you could see the chemistry and, and again, she's it's a it's a comedy scene, but like I said earlier, she's being confronted with affection that she doesn't understand, and mm-hmm. it sits with her. And then the next day, he doesn't remember saying any of it, and she's repeating it all back to him. So it was just a nice way to sort of flip a fantasy romance that mm-hmm. you expect, you know, because you see these two like gorgeous humans, and it's like, well, that yeah, there it is. They're going to be the ones, but 
we got there in a way that was pretty original um, and interesting, which I thought was a lot. I like how the sort of like last thing before she jumps fully into it, it's like she's watching him fight all the dudes mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's like, he's got character. You give him that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got a lot of heart, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's the Han and Leia of it all of like this moron, this idiot, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that, but he can't help but be charming the way that he sticks up for people and the way that again, like Willow being so open hearted, like there's no questioning of her once she makes the right choice. Mm -hmm. The the dark side, Beth Morta's crew, they're all, you know, shocked about it. And it's this betrayal. She's a traitor, but the good side accepts her, Finn Rizal, everybody. And mm -hmm. uh, again, it comes down to this final battle, this theme of, of smallness versus bigness. And because it's, sword and sorcery fantasy there's not as much of the george lucas um like organic and natural versus mechanized but there is a lot of the classic fantasy small versus big in terms of even if we're we it's steel on both sides it's rocks and magic on both sides the weaponry is the same but we get the world we understand the world you're at a fortress and that's why it's like willow's gopher plan is what is able to get them it's like if we dig holes and we hide and it looks like the army's gone yeah um it's about again it's sort of like that's the first sleight of hand before we even get the second one um yeah yeah and it's way. like it's also like that um you know the coalition of of various you know species and mm -hmm. people of ways of life and you know it's 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 a coming together of of the real diverse world versus a an enemy that's uniform and i think i think you could probably even say like mechanized you know for their terms of you know yeah um the armor the, like, and the... The, the like siege weapons you know like the pouring yeah. the, the boiling sort of like tar and stuff on um like they have that on like as evil they have those sort of things as opposed to like this this natural world yeah yeah absolutely it, it definitely is a good way to illustrate and again and again there's like these visuals that are so for children and like kale having this skull mask and everything like mm -hmm. in lieu of in lieu of stormtroopers it's like it's just a classic sort of evil army um and you know as we start to wind down in the conversation i just think that the film does so much in its runtime and it feels it just feels very complete and obviously it's not we're doing this conversation in as, as our little prelude to to our ongoing coverage here on casually talk of the series um so it will go on and we will see what happened to this world but this i think i remembered it and it, it has the reputation of being like oh that's the other thing lucasfilm did but now it makes me want to go back to sort of like these optimistic fantasies like we talked about it off air when you finish this movie disney plus is like now that you watch that, you want to watch Princess Bride? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Like, we're, we're, this is the type of thing that doesn't get made a lot. And mm -hmm. I think having revisited it now and with it being your first watch, and you could speak to this too, I get why someone like John Kasdan, who was a kid for it and who was there and whose dad wasn't like literally a part of it, but was part of that group of friends, why that would stick out to you is like, there's stories left to be told there because this yeah. is Willow's I can't believe journey. it's not been touched yes like, and i'm like yeah again yeah. we gotta acknowledge the books and we don't know uh if the books are canon anymore um how that's gonna... <laughs> are they legends <laughs> legends novels willow legends the yeah. willow eu but it's like 
Luke at the end of New Hope, he wasn't in like a lightsaber duel, but he does the thing. And Willow does too, but similarly to New Hope, it's like, okay, but I still didn't get to see him like be a Jedi yet. Like mm-hmm. you still have that with Willow. It's like, I love this, but he she just got the spell book. Like mm-hmm. it has such as like a not a cliffhanger, but it, it feels very I can't wait for the next book. Mm-hmm. And and now and to think that so many people just never got anything else yeah so incredibly incredibly open-ended like not mm-hmm. in terms of plot but like in terms of like what what is life afterwards like like do matt martigan and um Sorcerer, Sorcerer. Like, yeah do they raise the girl like yeah <laughs> like we don't know <laughs> we well, don't yeah well, is, know. Are, is this king and queen are they gonna yeah. what happened to the people that were frozen by the trolls what happened to tira Sleen? what happens to Drakmar mm-hmm. or Nakmar, like, is that going to be re- like a redeemed? Like, they're going to make it less goth. Like, what yeah. happens to yeah. do the Nelwins now? Not are they no longer isolationist because of maybe they'll be accepted more? Are right, we going right. to like? There's all kinds of stuff that happens. You know what happens to Eric's rebels from this mm-hmm. fallen kingdom? Like, what happens to they? They make you think that they killed off uh Rizelle, and then they didn't and then she, mm-hmm. she's getting choked out and i'm like oh my god she's dead and and she physically got choked out on screen and then she's like oh hey uh, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> i survived that yeah. mad party bro yeah um, <laughs> yeah no i think that that's sort of the sort of uh baffling thing and maybe it goes back to my early earlier being mad oh why has warwick davis been shoved to the side Mm-hmm. Um, it should have been a willow yeah. trilogy it in the 90s been more willow absolutely and and it i guess again it's like it's not like now makes it right necessarily mm-hmm. but i am glad it's happening i think it's a it's a very smart move on whoever's involved the kasdan's um kathleen kennedy lucasfilm in general like whoever just it's like yeah let's stretch our wings as a studio um we don't have to do just Star Wars. I mean, one of the last George Lucasfilm program uh, projects was Strange Magic and mm-hmm. Red Tails, and like you know this this ability to say we can be more than just this, um, <laughs> just Star Wars. Um, but like I I really do think that's an undervalued aspect of Lucasfilm, and when they had that um, uh, that new book series. I can't remember. Children of Blood and Bone is that the right one? They had yeah, the Children of Blood and Bone. They, they actually Disney had screen. them. Yeah, Disney yeah. had that book, and then Disney let that book lapse. Yeah, um, and it got picked up elsewhere, and which was unfortunate because it's like yeah. that could have been the fourth thing, you know. Like, and Rick Famuyiwa was attached to it. I know, and, and also and, like I say, fourth thing. There are people that are gonna. I'm um, actually. We know Lucasfilm did other things. They did Howard the Duck. They had Radio Land yeah. Murders, American Graffiti, THX. Like, yes, they had other stuff. George had other stuff, but the franchise ones, the family ones, mm-hmm. the three, the big three. It was Star Wars, indie, and then Willow was like the redheaded stepchild of the. You know, it never got. But, but it was what the cool. It was what the cool kids watched. Yeah, you know? honestly, like it, yeah. it. Like I get it now, and like having again. When I say I've seen this before, like I have, but there's so much that I'd forgotten. Um, like a great example was uh, 
when the brownies when we got to the brownies i remember the brownies because i remember kevin pollack and like the comedy but i forgot all about the fairy telling him to go to get finn Rizel and like I, that i had all forgotten about mm-hmm. so um it was it just again my takeaway having revisited this and with you having seen it for the first time is like wow like it's like it, it sucks that it took this long but what a rich world it's charming it's funny it's accessible i feel like anybody could like this i feel like if this had if this was a 2000s movie just theoretically you know it would have been a different cast but like we all would have wanted to like get mad martigan and sorcia action figures like the, yeah the, these, yeah these are, these are universal um well-drawn characters yeah sure. universal appeal and there's there's something i think there really is something everybody could enjoy about willow and yeah it is i think now having experienced this 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 world i think it's it makes this this project that they're doing with the with the series i don't i don't even know if it's like expected or the idea is to have it be multi-seasoned or if Mm. this is just like a limited event series kind of thing yeah i'm looking at some uh marketing it as I'm looking but... at some details now. As of right now, it, it looks like this is going to be uh, a mini series. It doesn't say that it's gonna. It doesn't say season one or anything. It just has mm-hmm. um, episodes. We know it's six episodes. John Kasdan again is is the cr- the credited showrunner, the developer. Um, but there's some fun things here. You look in the cast. You know, just as we're about to close out, um, you have Ruby Cruz. Um, who, whenever I hear ruby cruz's name i think of warwick davis saying it because of that video um, where he's <laughs> like a cool name <laughs> oh ruby cruz that's a, that's a cool name uh so ruby cruz is kit daughter of sorcia it does not say mm-hmm. and mad martigan so i wonder again if that's going to be a little reveal yeah because she has a last name in that clip it's like tantalos or something yeah yeah um, but right here in the castle it says dempsey brick or Brike or Breek, it's B-R-Y-K. Dempsey Brick will be playing Eric, son of Sorsha, her twin brother, named after mm. Eric. So, like, how cool is that? Like, there's a little bit of legacy stuff happening there. Sorsha's yeah. in the show, obviously, Joy and Wiley coming back. Um, uh, Warwick's own daughter, Annabelle Davis, is playing Mims, the daughter we see in this movie, but now <laughs> grown up. Um, yeah. So they're 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 pulling what they can. They're working with what they can. Christian Slater is in, is in the show. Uh, Ralph Ennison, who is just a fantasy mainstay at this point, um, who should be in everything. He's Dude, in that it. guy. That guy's uh, voice is. Oh, and then killer. in the green, then in the Green Knight, where they turn that bass down. Oh, Green oh, Knight, Game of Thrones. He's baby. Just, you need yeah. him. You need him. In he's, he's gonna be fun. He better be a villain. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I think again it's just like i love the idea of lucasfilm being able to stretch their wings and and do something else and Mm -hmm. make it its own flavor i think you talked a lot about house of the dragon versus rings and how you market them i feel like willow even independent of fun family fantasy that rings can be um i feel like willow even finds a different angle on that it's just sort of like this very sort of it's like is, is aspirational the word i'm not not exactly sure but like just this this idea that it can be and like this isn't meant to like belittle in any way like just casual like yeah just a good casual fantasy adventure like it um, has like clear lore depth and it could they could go 
super deep and you know lucasfilm has relationships obviously they have disney press they have del rey it's like yeah give me the finn rizel bavmorda novel that does the whole back i'll read it but like mm-hmm. it is accessible because even though rings of power like you know to flush out what you were saying uh you know for anyone that maybe is, is new to casually talk or is catching up whatever the case may be we welcome you and we're glad you're here uh i i'd said repeatedly that i firmly thought if i was at amazon and i was marketing rings i would lean so hard into the family friendly because that's the one card if, if, this, is, if this is business and it is it's not as they say it's not show friends it's show business mm-hmm. um that's the one card that hbo can never play they can never even if they, the Dunkin' egg show comes out it will still probably have sex and violence and, and things that they cannot yeah. uh, do even with their lighter fare for that world the rings show uh, the ring show rings of power that ring, <laughs> that uh, ring thing yeah that ring thing we talked about for a few a few weeks uh rings of power i think succeeded at being something that everybody could watch it got scary at times but so does all fantasy but it was super involved super mm. involved and a lot of people you know even said maybe too methodical and you can go back and check out our discussions and we're not done talking about it we will continue to cover it and explore it as uh, the months go on before season two. But what you're saying, casual has become a nerd slur, like an insult, like a, and it's not, it's, yeah. it's just like, it's, it's people, okay people take that have... as like, I don't care. Like, exactly. right. Like, yeah. Like, you know, I, you're a casual fan. It just means you don't like actually dig deep or whatever, but I feel yeah. to me, it means like I can grab a, you know, bag of candy and and like that'll fit with watching willow whereas like house of the dragon is not usually a show where i get a whole bunch of food and i'm like i can't be snacking i'm stressed it's dark but like willow is like absolutely willow is chicken wings it's french fries it's Mm -hmm. it's it's breadsticks like whatever i'm just getting hungrier now Mm -hmm. um but it it casual in the sense that it is definitely like comic booky not like it's like a superhero but comic booky like you pay your four dollars you grab an issue you have a slam bang good time um it's light reading the saturday uh, morning breakfast cereal yes oh my god dude why cartoon, wasn't right? willow why wasn't willow a disney channel like animated show when we were kids yeah. like this again i'm not trying to sound ungrateful i'm so glad that kathleen kennedy and ron howard and john kazan are doing this now great amazing and I cannot wait to see Willow at the height of his powers now. The realized, you know, right? Fully realized sorcerer, but still with the humor that we've seen already in the clip. And then makes you wonder what are his flaws now? Yeah. Like what, what's he lacking now? Like, because obviously that's going to be the Stars story. Otherwise, why have him <laughs> there? No, um, he can't just be yeah. the the magic thing and then everyone else has an arc. He still yeah. has, needs to have an arc too. What, is, what has he lost in the years that have mm-hmm. transpired? What is... What Even if he... he's Gandalf, mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, to use an, if, or if he's Dumbledore, if he's, if he's this elder statesman of the gang, which you get the idea that he is, because it's it's like young heroes that find him. That, that doesn't; those characters still had depth. They still had something to do. Is he? We see his daughter. Did he lose a son? I don't know. Did he? And, did he and lose with, his wife? With those two examples of Dumbledore and Gandalf, at the beginning of the story for the heroes. Mm-hmm. Their sort of co-corresponding um, trait is 
they're absent <laughs> for yeah. so much of it, right? Like, mm -hmm. like so much of why Frodo and Bilbo and even Harry in his early years, it's like Dumbledore's there, Dumbledore's watching. When they need him, he's gone. And then he's there at the end to let's unpack that, you know? Like, yeah. mm -hmm. then Gandalf, he le he's like, you two go. I got famous stuff for leaving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, famous like, for leaving. Just the Hobbit is the Hobbit is entirely almost him just saying, "Okay, I got places to be." Yeah, yeah. you guys just keep going east. One hundred percent. I'll find you again. And I feel like Willow can't can't do that here, right? Like he he's got to be part of this journey. Like they they seek him out to, to go. Yeah. And he's you know in that little clip, he's like, "We got to go past the sea," and you know, blah blah blah, yeah. and. and so yeah, it's going to be really interesting in how they ride that line of who, who is he as the sorcerer, but also what is he, like what is the depth that's being added to his character and how does that inform this new cast? And it's a very exciting young cast. Um, yeah, people, very people excited seen, for... Ruby Cruz was Mayor of Easttown, really, um, oh, okay. nice. really well, well sort of received show. Uh, Eric, I think, Kellerman. Uh, Eric Kelman was in something. Yeah, I remember what it was. We've seen her in maybe a couple things. I that um, by the way, we keep referencing this video. If you have not watched, just DM me or Nikki. There's this video of the meet the cast that they did where they're all at like a picnic table, and it is and Warwick walks around. It is so funny. Mm -hmm. He deadpan tells Eric Kellerman that he doesn't remember her, that he never watched solo. It's so <laughs> funny. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, but but with all those things, you know, to loop it back into the movie before we close what is this original film if you if we had to boil it down there's a few different things confidence finding your potential um embracing change but it's taking care of those in your charge he realizes that the baby picked him the baby's in his charge mad martigan realizes that this this little guy willow can't really defend himself like he's sort of in, in his charge too and and then sorcia realizes that sort of everyone's in her charge because it's her mom that is the problem and so I think with that sort of being a thesis for Willow, going to the place of young heroes need you now mm -hmm. is sort of the perfect thing. Cause that's, we are about to play in the show, in the world, play in the show that is set in the world. That's a sentence. There you go. Um, <laughs> we, got that, there. we got there. That is the world they fought for in this movie. Yeah. Like, cause again, the, the the queen sort of like the the prophesized queen is an infant so whatever great future that Alora dannon brings about is way down the road the show is going to be the thing that explores like okay who are the heroes of the world that willow and mad martigan and sorcia and eric and everybody fought for mm -hmm. here it is like this is what is what is the better kingdom look like and what new foes are going to try to disrupt that better kingdom? And and how much of a sequel is this going to be? We don't really know. Is this another Willow adventure? Or is this truly Willow 2? That remains to be seen too, but yeah. I'm really excited. So if you have any last thoughts on the movie, let me know. And then if not, we will get out of here and uh, let everybody know where they can find us. Yeah, I think just to sort of wrap it all up, the... The experience was was one I'm glad I finally got. It's it's one uh, movie that um, I'm looking forward to at some point going back and and watching probably after the series. Maybe I'll go back and watch the movie and just sort of like mm -hmm. be able to synthesize it all really well. Uh, but yeah, I'm it's it's one of those things now where it's like 
I was excited to for the show to happen and and be be something that gets people either to to re rediscover this world or find it for the first time and and now I'm just like I'm ready <laughs> you know like now mm -hmm. that's like it's something you you put on the calendar that November 30th um let's, let's let's start watching some Willow so, so yeah I'm just I'm I'm glad for myself now that I have something to to say I'm I'm invested in I don't know, like I'm, I'm invested to go watch this now as opposed to just we'll see how it is um yeah. so yeah. so yeah that's an exciting thing you know uh willow fans rejoice um you know we're gonna we're gonna have a have a cool moment now with with warwick davis and you know he's earned it absolutely so earned long overdue well deserved i'm excited for everybody i could not i'm already excited for the, I don't want to, I don't want to rush through the show, but I'm already excited for the Disney gallery Willow, where I know I'm going to cry seeing him in the costume again for the first time. Cause like, mm -hmm. that's gotta be so surreal. Cause again, like we talked about part of the beauty of this role is that he wasn't a goblin. He wasn't a teddy bear. He wasn't any of these things. He was him. And that, and that makes it like, yes, he got to be wicked again in rise of Skywalker, which I love. And he got to do that with his son, which is awesome, mm -hmm. but he hasn't, he didn't get his, here I am. I'm a little grayer now, but it's me the same way that Harrison did and Mark and Carrie or any of these people that are reprising their old roles. Um, this is his moment. I'm so excited for it. And I'm excited now that it's fresh again in my mind thematically to see, oh, okay. Like I can't wait to put on the first episode and say, yes, that makes me feel just like when Mad Mardigan did this or makes mm. me feel like, when Willow did this or, Oh wow. It's so cool to see the way the Nelwins are, are doing things now. Cause there is a little bit of evolution that's been hinted at in the trailers. Like you see like a flamethrower and like a couple other things like technology is a little different now. And so it'll be fun to see how the world yeah. uh, is explored and to come that's, back to this conversation yeah. two months from now and see how much uh, it not changes the movie, but how it might recontextualize the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say like, that's one thing I'm gonna do when this uh this recording is ended because I'm gonna go watch the trailer and see how much mm -hmm. I pick up on. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. now now it's just now it, there's a whole different layer of context that I just have added for myself for it. So yeah, Absolutely. exciting times. Absolutely. So Nikki, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and then we will get out of here. Absolutely. If you wanna check me out on Twitter, you can find me at Nikwishus. This is the first time I've said this. If you want to find me on Hive. What what? Hive. There we go. Hive, I'm at Nick Differ. N-I-C-T-O-P-H-E-R. Maybe I should have kept them the same, but we need a little change every now and again. We gotta be open to change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So uh you can find me, find me on Hive there. Uh um, or yeah, at that I handle you can find the Imperial Senate podcast, Twitter and YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you can listen to the one done film club we do with alden at one letter and done show on twitter and podcasts as well and um also rewatch between worlds on octo radio yes octo radio star wars podcast that's where we do a rewatch between worlds our rebels rewatch that's where we have all the interviews our other programming um got some higher public stuff coming out right now so that's all a h c h t o radio for our star wars talk you can find me personally at that alden diaz on twitter instagram tiktok kinda I'm barely on TikTok and, and Hive, 
Hive, <laughs> which is, uh, as uh, I said, and some people have said, Hive is the Valinor of, of social media right now. It's peaceful. Yeah. It's just vibes. Everybody's having a good time. So go check it out before it becomes corrupted by a billionaire. Uh, and then you could find, uh, of course, again, one of them film that we do with our friend Reed Devaney, um, host of the Babble Bubble, uh, where we revisit different franchises. That's going on. Uh, Ken, again, could not be here for this Willow um, film rewatch, but Ken will be joining us um, throughout um, it, it, the exact number of episodes that Ken will be with us. With us uh, four is vague, but like he's going to be on the first one. Uh, he's going to be around. He's going to be watching it. Trust me, mm-hmm. Ken knows the movie. As he's joked, like Ken is now like his partner is a redhead with a sword. Like this movie definitely <laughs> impacted him in a lot of ways. So, uh, Ken will be joining us again. You can follow him on Ken Knapsack all over and go to his website. All that's linked down below to keep up with our fearless leader as well. If you go, let me see if I can get it right. There you go. Boom. Casually Talk up there. If you're looking on YouTube, I'm pointing at it, at Casually Talk on Twitter. Casually Talk is also on Hive. I don't think that we've set it up fully there, but you can give us a follow and we're going to get that going as well. There's a QR code on screen to support. If not, if you're listening on the podcast side, you can look down in the links, support us everywhere. We're going to continue to talk about Lord of the Rings, continue to talk about George R. R. Martin's vast world of ice and fire. Game of Thrones rewatch is uh, supposed to be coming back soon. I want to say December. I don't have an exact date. Not going to make promises, but that's coming back. When it does come back, it'll be Mountain versus Viper. Um, So people can get excited for that one uh, for some trauma as we continue our Game of Thrones rewatch. Um, and then we'll have more discussions on Rings of Power, House of the Dragon. Uh, and of course, Willow is going to be weekly. We're going to have some great guests, some people that have already reached out to us. Uh, I know Molly Damon from Star Wars Explained is loving it so far. She's gotten a sneak peek at some of the episodes and she has just been so excited about it. Um, so definitely uh, look forward to lots of f- familiar faces, new faces. Nikki and I will continue to be there. It's going to be a fun few weeks to end the year. And again, what a great time for fantasy fans. And that's what we're all about here. I love that we can say the sentence, we're a channel that covers House of the Dragon, Rings of Power, and Willow. Because those things <laughs> all share things, but God, they could not be more different. Yep. Yep. Um, and there's plenty more out there too. So hit us up with your fantasy recommendations. And we will catch you next time right here on Casterly Talk. Thank you.